CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, welcome back to MoneyPod. On today's show, we're joined by Sam Tabar. He is the CEO of BitDigital. We talk with Sam about how he thinks about Bitcoin mining with BitDigital, also about their AI play and what he thinks about the happening. We'd like to thank CleanSpark for being the lead sponsor of the show on the Coindesk Podcast Network. You'll hear from CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner, a little bit later in the episode. Before we jump into the episode, we'd like to push people to go check out our newsletter, blockspace.media. Type that into your browser or just click below in the show notes, and you'll find a few links to our former articles that we published in the past, or you can sign up to our newsletter right there and get it twice a week to your inbox. We have great content, original content in Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining space right there. So if you like this podcast, you'll certainly like the newsletter even more. Okay, let's jump into the show. Welcome back to the Mining Pod. Today, we're joined by Sam Tabar of BitDigital. Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we've been having a few requests to get you guys on, so definitely glad we got you to start the year off. Uh, so you are the CEO of BitDigital, and we're going to go through all things BitDigital, which uh, you guys are definitely like an up-and-coming name. A lot of different uh, business lines that we're going to go through, including like Bitcoin mining, e-staking, AI play. So we'll get to that all during the show. But of course, classic intro. Gotta ask about yourself first, and then we'll go into Bit Digital and kind of give like a little recap. Well, I started my career as a lawyer for a law firm called Skadden in New York. And uh, after a number of years of doing that, I realized I did not want to be a lawyer, uh, although I'm still technically a lawyer today. And I, I moved over to Japan uh, and um, I joined a, a Japanese hedge fund. Uh, and uh, we ended up becoming a, a powerhouse in the, in the whole Asia Pacific region. Uh, we acquired other hedge funds across Asia. I was responsible for some of those deals. And uh, after a number of years of doing that, I, uh, Bank of America Merrill Lynch asked me to run their capital strategy for Asia Pacific, which I did for a number of years. Then I, uh, I came back to New York and I started a blockchain company called Fluidity. Uh, it was backed by uh, not- notable uh, people in crypto like Mike Novogratz, and Joe Lubin and Brock Pierce. And uh, we uh, came up with a concept called uh, a decentralized exchange. Uh, it was pretty early days for that kind of concept. There were other forerunners for that concept as well, but we were pretty early. It was called AirSwap. Uh, it, it went viral to some degree. And uh, I uh, we sold that. Uh, it was me and two co-founders. And we sold that to Consensus, uh, which is owned by Joe Lubin. 
And then I uh, moved on to, be, to join the executive team at BitDigital, which is a publicly listed company, a Bitcoin mining company. I'm currently CEO. Nice. I didn't know you came from AirSwap. Uh, I used to cover Ethereum back in the day for Coindesk. And so definitely talked with some of the AirSwap team members. So it's kind of cool to go back into that. What led you from the Ethereum ecosystem over to Bitcoin mining? There's maybe a handful of us who've actually kind of jumped that bridge and come back into you know, Bitcoin world, quote unquote. Yeah, no, that's good. That's that's a good point. I saw that there was a problem uh, in Bitcoin mining with respect to the environment. I saw that about three and a half years ago. And uh, the idea of a Bitcoin miner leaning in towards being environmentally friendly was something that was kind of laughed at uh, about four years ago. And uh, I thought that was a problem. Um, I uh, joined this company and from very early days, we decided to become really clean. Uh, we were actually, I think, one of the first, if not the first, to lean in really hard on uh, making sure that the entire fleet was uh, using powers, uh, using clean sources of power like hydro and geothermal. And we can get into that a little bit later today. So, you know, we we started our fleet in China, actually, um, and we migrated that fleet well before the the announcement of the Bitcoin mining ban in, in China, about six months before we started the migration uh, towards the United States. Uh, and we uh, parked a lot of our fleet near clean sources of power. One of them happens to be in Niagara Falls. Uh, we were drawing power from the, the Niagara River. And, um, and it's pretty ironic if you think about it, because in Buffalo, that used to be a center of gravity for the United States. So China banned Bitcoin mining. And so we moved that industry back to a place that in the, in, in the United States, in Buffalo, that was devastated when China took over all that manufacturing that Buffalo used to be responsible for. So it was this poetic justice in a way of putting a new industry back in town that China had banned. And I think China probably has some regrets doing that. So um, I think I over answered your question there. No, that was great. Uh, I actually want to pull into a few of those points before we kind of talk about the bit digital side of things. We'll get to like sort of the profile for the company on the green energy part. So that's still a contentious point. I think it's less contentious than maybe 2021, It seems like with the ESG narrative has somewhat rolled over. We've kind of even seen that in public <clears throat> stocks where like these ESG ETFs are not doing as hot as they were a few years ago. That's right. What do but, you think about that whole play still? Well, I mean, environmental, social, governmental, ESG. So there's a lot of conflation going on there. So I, I don't believe in the S and G part, but I do believe in the E part. And I, I, do, I do think that if you can operate your company and make money and create material revenue in a way that doesn't damage the environment, um, I think that's always a good thing. And we're carbon free. We're not carbon neutral. I don't believe in carbon neutrality. Carbon neutrality is basically, you know, causing the damage and then buying certificates to neutralize that damage. That's like taking a, a giant shit in the room and taking an air freshener and spraying it. That's not what we're doing. We're doing carbon free. In other words, we're actually using clean sources of power, not bad sources, not dirty sources of power and buying certificates to make up for it. So that's that's really important. It's an important distinction to make between, between uh, being carbon free and carbon neutral. People who are carbon neutral, I, I just really rule my eyes out. Mm-hmm. Do you have any bones to pick with like people in Bitcoin mining who are 
<laughs> either either doing like the carbon credit thing or going like full oil and gas. No, it's just, philosoph- it's just philosophical difference. I'd rather, yeah. like I said, I'd rather not take a shit in the room. I'd rather yeah. just, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, well, it's a great transition over to the profile of BitDigital. So tell me a little bit about like your guys' mining operations. Uh, it's carbon neutral. And then also you have a lot of other stuff in terms of carbon, mining carbon Iceland. Free. Carbon, carbon free, excuse me. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Uh, yeah, so we we uh, we have operations. We're probably one of the most diversified. I believe we're probably the most diversified in terms of operations. We have six operating partners, uh, a few in the United States, uh, in Canada also, and a couple of operations in Iceland. We draw from hydro and geothermal, geothermal being volcanic power. And both sources of power are uh, are carbon free. We're, we're in the 90s percent, I would imagine carbon free. Uh, so, and we're going to, we're going to stay there. It's important for us. Nice. And in terms of like the size energy, uh, allocation, so you guys have out there, uh, and then pricing, how do you guys kind of look into that? Assuming yeah. going in Iceland, it sort of helps out that you guys are. You know, yeah, there is, there is, there is a, there is, um, a myth that people are paying premium for clean sources of power. I think that was true some time ago. And there, it, that remains to be a little bit true. If you, in certain parts of the world, you can use very dirty sources of power and get it to two cents per kilowatt hour or something like that. But I, 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 we, we, you're not really paying a, a big premium for clean sources of power. And frankly, if you are still a dirty Bitcoin miner in this day and age, you're painting a target behind your back. You're creating an, like an existential risk for yourself because the regulators could step in and pull the rug from under you. And that's just not a risk as a publicly as a public listed company. It's not a risk we want to take. So what we've done is we've created we've diversified our risk um, by being clean. Uh, we have six operating partners. Uh, so we have jurisdictional risk. Uh, so we have Iceland, Canada, United States. So we diversified our jurisdictional risk. We have six operating partners. So we've diversified our operator, operation risk. And, uh, and we believe that's really the right way to go. Uh, for other companies, I know there are other publicly listed companies that really put a lot of their eggs in one basket. Like, for example, <clears throat> uh, you know, certain companies put like, they have their entire operations in, say, in, say Texas. Uh, that's, that, that could be, that could be a, a problem if something goes wrong there. One other approach that we, uh, distinguish ourselves from is that we're infrastructure light. So we do not buy the infrastructure. Unlike other companies, they're completely vertically integrated. So they buy, say a, a data center in Texas, they have say 300 employees. Um, we don't do that. That, that to us, uh, uh, we're kind of allergic to that because we want to stay nimble and we want to create competitive tension amongst our operating partners to get really attractive pricing. And of course, we do have a profit share to make sure that our operating partners are aligned in our interests. So we do give up a little bit on the upside, but we're very well protected on the downside. And the downside means that we could always pick up our machines and leave and put them at another operating partner if we don't like the situation, which we continue to do all the time to create that competitive tension. So we like the fact that we're diversified operationally. We do give up a little bit on the upside, but we're well protected on the downside. And that's been our DNA to protect our downside and to always survive. And that's why we've moved our fleet from China. That's why we have six operating partners. That's why we're in three different countries. That's why we have an incredible balance sheet 
note that we really think about the, uh, the downside and we try not to drink our own Kool-Aid when Bitcoin's going up. In the competitive world of Bitcoin mining, one name stands out, CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner. At CleanSpark, efficiency isn't just a goal, it's our standard. Our sophisticated facilities are built and led by expert teams who care about Bitcoin and the communities we work in. Scale, we've mastered it. Our large-scale operations have set us apart in the industry as examples of community-oriented building. Our track record speaks for itself. We navigate the complexities of the new economy with precision and with skill, continuously achieving operational milestones. Curious about how we do it? We invite you to discover the story behind CleanSpark's success at cleanspark.com. Let's go keep on that point a little bit because Marathon Digital would probably be like the classic example that uh, infrastructure light, they're transitioning out of that. They That's obviously right. had a few sites that like didn't work out very well. And so they had to like sort of use that, that big treasury to go and purchase assets um, right. so they could host. From your guys' perspective, was that like always the long-term play or was that like a strategy that sort of evolved over the last few years because you had to do it necessarily? And then how do you think about like managing those downside risks? What are some things that you guys look at in terms of like identifying new sites, identifying new partners, rotating out partners? It puzzles me to buy data centers at this point because there's something called the halving coming up. And when the, so just to, for your audience, the, the short version of the halving is that, uh, every four years, uh, just, just to make it non, not technical, um, every four years, uh, the, the, the algorithm is such that with respect to Bitcoin mining operations, the, the revenues would be cut in half. So when, when you know your revenues are going to be cut in half, it doesn't make sense to me mathematically to increase your sunk costs. In other words, to have these data centers on your balance sheet and you have to pay overhead and hundreds of employees, and you have to pay what, no matter where the Bitcoin price is, you have to pay these people and keep the, keep it going. And in our instance, we have a curtailment. We could just shut it down. If Bitcoin goes down a certain price, we could just shut everything down and, and we don't have any, uh, crazy overhead to pay. So I'm a little bit surprised about certain decisions in terms of buying data centers. The last thing you want to do is increase your overhead, uh, with this event coming up. And we've done other things as well that's very unique and no one else has done in the sector that I can get into by creating massive revenue lines that are completely uncorrelated to the price of Bitcoin. Yeah, I definitely want to get into the AI play, which I think you're alluding to there. I want to ask one more question on this portion here. So you're saying that like you have a curtailment. Do you guys have anything on the opposite side of that, like a hedges uh, hedge that would, you know, you'd have to pay in that instance where you guys choose to curtail or is there anything associated mostly, with how you guys do your it's mostly It's mostly focused on curtailment. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah. Some of these uh, interesting plays in Texas, I would say, are the fact that they buy the infrastructure and then they have to, you know, go and buy the hedge associated with it when they're doing the curtailment. And it works out pretty well, but sometimes you have to have the complete package. So let's go over to the ASIC side of things. And then also like your team, how do you guys operate across these six different sites? What are the uh, units you guys are going out and purchasing? How do you think about fleet management? Uh, and then you know, we'll move on to AI in a second. Yeah, we, we, we've we always been counter-cyclical in terms of our growth strategy. So 
couple of years ago when everybody was growing like crazy, we we didn't because the machines were 10 times more than they were today. And and we've just been careful in terms of buying, not buying at the top. Um, and so, in fact, we just announced just, uh, I think, this morning um, that we procured a few new, a couple of thousands of machines and uh, six more megawatts here in, in, the, in the state of New York. So we're careful in our growth. We have announced that we are doubling the size of our fleet by the end of this year. We did double the size of our fleet last year. We'll do it again this year. And, um, and, uh, but we do that judiciously and, uh, we procure machines at the right time at the right price. And we already have, uh, contracted power, uh, with our various operating partners in order to fill, uh, the capacity when we have those machines at hand. So we're, we're pretty confident, but we're always looking for new operating partners. Anybody looking at this interview, who's operating a data center that's rack and stacked ready, uh, please approach me. Uh, we're always looking for new ones. Why? Because again, we have to create competitive tension amongst our existing partners to make sure we get the best pricing, the best pricing. So we do we do good and do right by our shareholders. That's interesting to hear about the two exahash or the doubling announcement. Um, from the funding it's, side of things, you guys have the energy, and then you guys are looking to buy ASICs this year. Is more or less the play. Does that change if ASIC prices go up a lot? I mean, right now they're still pretty steady. I mean, they yeah. have gone up a little bit. We bought a few thousand recently, um, and um, and we'll continue uh, buying it at the right time, of course. Um, yeah. But we have we have said that we're going to get to six exahash by the end of this year, and we intend to do that. Great. Okay, let's go to AI. Uh, obviously, one of the bigger topics for last year, and we'll, we'll probably only grow in importance <laughs> as we go into bull run. I mean, there's going to be so many AI tokens out there; it's going to make people's heads numb. Sure. Uh, from a mining perspective, you know, I'm definitely thinking that it's there's a lot of fads to this. Uh, I wrote a, an op-ed in CoinDesk about a year ago to that point where you know, I saw all these, a lot of these Bitcoin miners putting out like they had an AI play and it's like, okay, who's actually doing this and who's just putting out PR announcement? Um, so I do come into this interview a little skeptical about AI. And I'll put that out there. Um, I'm not asking you to convince me, but I am asking, what's your guys' play? How are you guys thinking about this? How does this fit into the revenue streams you guys are building up with Bitcoin mining? How does it even fit into like the infrastructure part of what you guys are doing? First of all, Will, I encourage your skepticism, and I am too. Very, very skeptical of people who are announcing AI aspirations. We did not announce an AI aspiration. We did not announce a dream in AI. We announced a business. We actually have a business uh, where we're getting $50 million annualized revenue. That's going to grow exponentially, by the way. And so... We announced a business. Uh, we have procured uh, the H100s, the machines. Uh, we have that already shipped out to Iceland. It's already generating revenue uh, in Iceland, in a very remote part in Iceland. Uh, we have our client. It's an anchor client. We intend to diversify our client base, of course, but that client, that anchor client has uh, insatiable uh, demands uh, for for its AI applications. We are not creating the AI. We're not doing the large language models, of course. Uh, we're just simply renting out the computational power that helps build those LLMs. But we have a client. We have a business. Uh, and that business is going to grow uh, uh, this year. And so we did not announce an aspiration like other Bitcoin miners have. We announced a business. And, uh, and we're proud of that. We don't think the market has given us credit for that. I think in many ways, uh, 
the other Bitcoin miners that have announced these AI aspirations have poisoned the well. And people like you are skeptical of uh, people just jumping on the AI bandwagon. And I think the markets have reacted very with, with I guess, healthy skepticism on what we're doing. But what we're, we have a business and we're getting revenue. And $50 million a year is, is a lot. And it more than covers our overhead and plus more. Uh, so we're the only Bitcoin miner in the sector <clears throat> in which we have this incredible business. And in a sense, we're a call option on Bitcoin. So if Bitcoin goes up, we're going to do very, very well. But if Bitcoin doesn't do well, it doesn't go up, if it continues to go sideways or down, we'll continue to do well because we have this incredible AI business with certainty of revenue over the next three years. That revenue is going to grow. Three years. No matter where Bitcoin goes, we have this. And there's no Bitcoin mining company in the public sector that can actually say that. It's frustrating to me uh, that we have not received credit for that. It's frustrating. But I think in due course, time is our friend, and eventually the markets will give us credit. Gotcha. I mean, I am, I'm not asking you to comment on your share price, but it does look like it's sort of where it was, eh, a little higher than it was last year. Um, and that has been like sort of the, the story with mining stocks over the last year where like a lot of them rebounded from like their 2022 lows and gained back their power, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> but last few weeks has been kind of a downtrend. So uh, yeah. again, not asking you to comment on share price because that is not necessarily something we can do on the show. But I want to keep with the AI play a little bit and talk more about that. When you're talking about <laughs> revenue over a year, <clears throat> What does that look like? Is that from a, a Q4 projection of last year? You guys are kind of projecting over this coming year. How do you guys really do projections is what I'm wondering for AI since it's very different than Bitcoin mining, right? Bitcoin mining, it's like, okay, we know we're going to get these blocks. We have this much hash rate. Let's project how much hash rate competitors are going to have. We can figure it out. For AI, well, well, what does that look like? I actually, I actually think it's much more difficult to project for Bitcoin revenue because you don't know where the price of Bitcoin is going to be. That's actually one of the reasons why our balance sheet was debt has been debt free and clean for years. We never took on debt to buy machines. Why? Because you just don't know where the Bitcoin, where like where the price is going to be. So you couldn't really project, you couldn't really do the financial modeling when it comes to paying out the debt you have for buying these Bitcoin miners because you just don't know where the price of Bitcoin is going to be. So we never took on debt on on the balance sheet, unlike a lot of our peers uh, who you know, sort of uh, drank their own Kool-Aid and took on a lot of debt. And many of them have gone bankrupt as a result. Yeah. So we didn't do that. Much easier when you have certainty of revenue, contractual certainty of revenue over three years. So this is a very different story. Mm -hmm. uh, our, our revenue just started uh, just literally last week. Um, it's annualized 12 million. So you'd have to, I guess, subtract one month from that or almost yeah subtract a month because we started late i think january 25th or something mm -hmm. i can't remember the exact date but it was late in january the revenue started 50 million dollars annualized over three years so that's that's much easier to project because it's contractual we have an obligation client has to take it regardless mm -hmm. so the client has to pay regardless uh and the clients will capitalize so we uh, we are very comforted by that. And we stay in the game of Bitcoin mining, too, because we're doubling the size of our fleet. So, I mean, isn't it more amazing to 
look at a company that does well regardless of where Bitcoin goes. That's that. That's just me. Yeah, no, I mean, adding uh, different lines of revenue is a big deal. Uh, I think you've seen a few Bitcoin miners do as well. The first one that comes to mind for me is Riot. They have uh, an engineering part of their company that most people don't even think of, and uh, that's building entire sites for them. And I believe also doing some other engineering work outside of Bitcoin mining. So uh, it makes sense to diversify in that sense because Bitcoin mining obviously is so cyclical. Okay, we can kind of move on from the AI stuff right there, uh, unless there's any future announcements or plans you guys have uh, for that AI division you'd like to make. Um, I yet. haven't seen anything to, to date. Not yet. Not yet. You know, I always got to tease it though. Okay, let's go over to some some other details. One thing I did want to ask about is I, I saw Brock Pierce is on the board. Brock Pierce obviously has a long history within crypto. Uh, he's on the board of Tether, helped found yeah. Tether. Uh, and then he's been involved in many, many different companies out there and somewhat, uh, what's the word, like um, polarizing figure within crypto. And so I want to get your take on how he came to be with BitDigital and what his role is at BitDigital. Sure. Well, Brock, Brock uh, I've known Brock for a number of years. Uh, he, um, he financially backed me when I uh, co-founded uh, Fluidity, which created Airswap. And uh, I sold. We sold that company um, and successfully, and all the shareholders made money, including him. But he remained a friend. And when I joined uh, Bit Digital, um, we thought it might make a lot of sense, given his experience in the industry. As you had mentioned, it's uh, it's very. He has got great experience. Um, and, I, and I, you're right. He is a polarizing figure to some degree. But he's also a friend, and um, and he's been, he's been nothing but generous with his time, and uh, he, and he's been great to um, he's been very generous with his knowledge as well. So um, not, that that's the reason why we have him on the board. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, not not many follow up questions there. Interesting to see him on the board, but there's obviously like many different players within this ecosystem who join boards on that sort of capacity, and then. On top of that, like the experience with Tether and other things makes sense. Okay, wrapping up here shortly, want to get to some thoughts on Bit Digital in 2024, some forecasting for maybe just your business, and then we'll get to Bitcoin mining in general. What are some things that you're looking at being like, okay, this is what people should be paying attention to, and this is how Bit Digital is operating on top of that? Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think I may have signaled already in this interview, people should be looking at I mean, I, there, normally the reason why people buy stock in uh, Bitcoin mining in the Bitcoin mining sector is that there's a lot of beta. So if Bitcoin goes up, Bitcoin mining stocks tend to go up even more. That's that's the general thesis, historically anyway. And so with the halving coming up, uh, it's important to look at the sector and see which one is very well positioned. Um, and you have to look at, okay, what are their revenue streams? Um, are they are is their strategy that they hope Bitcoin goes up because that's not a good strategy. Hope is not a good strategy. You have to run a business. If you're running a business on hope, that's not the best way to go. So you have to look at the companies who are running their strategy on hope, or are they running a responsible strategy? So what does that mean? Diversified business. Is it just diversified nominally, or is it diversified materially? What is really their diversification? And so you look at the percentage of the of the bottom line with respect to their diversified businesses, and you pick a winner there. And by the way, 
I should mention, a lot of people have this uh, fetish about the largest Bitcoin miner. It does size doesn't really make a, a difference in many ways. It's not it's not really a business that scales, and you get this uh, you get the benefit of the scaling. So it's important to look at a, at a Bitcoin miner and look at their business. Um, and of course, I'm biased. I'm CEO of this company, so I will speak about our company. And I think we're well positioned. Uh, we have this AI business. It's a real business. It's not a dream. We have a fleet. We're doubling the size of that fleet. We're doing that responsibly by procuring machines at the right time. We have a number of operating partners in three different countries. So we're very well diversified from an operational risk. And our balance sheet is pristine. So I, I think that's really the way to go. In terms of the, the size comment there, what is a metric you look at for Bitcoin mining fleets that you think is more interesting? You mentioned the diversified revenue, but I'm zeroing in on just like Bitcoin mining specifically. Is it like margins or something else? Yeah, of course, margins. But I guess, again, you have to look at um, you have to look at the diversification of the operations. If you're fully in on one data center and uh, you are it's there's a there's a real operational risk. These data centers, things can go wrong. There are black swan events that can happen. The regulator can shut you down. So it's important to look at things from a diversified perspective. So again, diversification of revenue and diversification of operations. Those are two of the most important things you want to look at when it comes to the Bitcoin mining sector. Awesome. Sam, thank you for joining the show. Where can people follow along with BitDigital and what you guys are up to? Yeah, we are, we're on Twitter or X, uh, so please follow us there. Uh, and, uh, of course, our website, uh, bit-digital.com. And... Um, we're very accessible. So if there are any questions, uh, IR at bit-digital.com, please email us or ask the question in public on the comment section of our X account. We'd be happy to uh, help with that. Awesome. Thanks again for joining the show. Thank you for having me. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte. After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals24. That's Chime.com goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.